We're still looking at end times, the last days. I guess technically maybe again with Christ. I've always kind of considered it to be Daniel's 70, 70th week, but we read in the book of Hebrews uh, verse 2 of chapter 1 hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds turn to the book of Acts the second chapter 1 thing thou lackest I guess you might say looking at study of end times it's right here plain as day This is on the day of Pentecost. Peter got up to preach. Verse 16 of Acts 2, But this is that which the, was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. Not just Jew, but Jew and Gentile. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, and blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy in thy, with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn in an oath to him, that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing that or this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus whom God 
Whom hath God raised up whereof we are all the witnesses? <clears throat> Therefore being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, has shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David hath not ascended into the heavens, but saith unto himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Signs and the wonders in the heavens above. That's coming. It's on the horizon. When Peter preached this, there were no signs and wonders going on at that time. No smoke, no fire, no vapor, no sun being darkened. We don't read too much in the church age about daughters prophesying. Now, Matthew, or Acts 21 and 9 speaks about the daughters of Philip. Everything in the Lord's house is to be orderly. We know that quite well. At Calvary, the sun went dark, the rocks were rent, graves were opened. That was a partial, this was a partial fulfillment of what's coming. So it's, seeing that it hasn't happened yet, it's, it's near. The book of Matthew, the, 20, the Beatitudes, I think, 24, 24. Matthew chapter 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that even if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Of course, that is the elect of God. We have people like Ophir having their own religion. There's lots of people who have their own religion. They're going to come to nothing that we know. Christ is still being preached, and there's been many that's came and went. What we're looking at is the restora restoration of all things. I can't pronounce the Greek word for it. Apocatastasis, something like that. It means restoration. Must be yet Still future. For the, in the book of Acts, the first chapter and the seventh verse, well, the sixth verse, Acts 1 and 6, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again to the kingdom of Israel? They were looking for that kingdom. In, we're looking for the Lord's return and him setting up his kingdom also. The Jews in Scripture seen what they wanted to see. They've seen Jews only. They wanted to have the upper hand on everything. It had to do with a monopoly, I guess we call it, on the things of God. Well, in our day and age, people see what they want to see also. They like to see John 3.16. Judge not that you be not judged. That's about all that they want to hear to this day and age. In the book of Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, the Jews want to have the 
had the highest importance. It was Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. And it shall come to pass that if thou shalt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God and observe to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all the blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city. Blessed shalt thou be in the field. It goes on and on, all the blessings. But we know what happened. They wouldn't take the promised land, for one. They would not obey his word. They, they lost so much out of disobedience. There in the book of Acts, the 13th chapter, seems that they lost it wasn't done yet they lost more Acts chapter 13 verse 46 then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first begin have been spoken to you that's the Jews but seeing you put it far from you and you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life lo we turn to the Gentiles Now, we know from the book of Romans that God's provoking the Jews. It has been for 2,000 years. The times of refreshing is coming. Of course, Scripture tells us that heaven speaks about Christ. Heaven must hold until the times of restoration of all things. Chapter 3, verse 19 of the book of Acts. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution, the restitution of all things. Christ is going to be there at the right hand of the Father until that time goes on to speak about how Moses preached Christ. Christ is central throughout all Scripture. Now, repentance is commanded that our sins will be blotted out, that we see this times of refreshing. We're in the last days. What has Israel had for these last days, 2,000 years? They've had double, they've paid double for the sins. We read in the book of Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Twice as much war, twice as much grief. You'd think they'd get the picture. No, they're still in denial. There in the book of, I think it's Second Corinthians, it's when Moses is read... There's, they have the, the veil still remains. I think we looked at that a week or so ago in the Corinthians epistles. We looked at the jubilee, all the things that they have coming. They still haven't repented. They still haven't. 
receive Christ as their Messiah. The world is ripe for judgment. We see war on the horizon, the smoke, the sun being darkened. There's, there's no telling what, I mean, the things that goes on in the atmosphere, volcanic eruptions, which is prophesied, will cause a lot of that. The book of Luke, the 21st chapter, verse 25, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations, and perplex with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, like I say, upheavals in the, the earth, men's hearts failing them for fear. I can see that happening this day and age. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. That's what's going to happen. How can that happen? The book of Ezekiel, that battle of Ezekiel 37 that we talk about so often, God's going to shake heaven and earth. That's, that's pretty scary. In the days of Moses, when Moses was up on the mount in the Exodus, Moses was, as we'd say today, scared to death. And he'd been in the Almighty's presence before that. Let me find the passage I'm looking for. In... The book of Ezekiel. It's in the chapter 38, Ezekiel 38, verse 18. And it shall come to pass at that same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. Now that sounds like something to be scared to death of. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, have I spoken surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground you want to be a part of that? It's coming. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother, just like some of those battles in the Old Testament time. God's going to let them, the enemy fight among themselves. I will plead against him and with pestilence and with blood and will rain upon him and his bands and upon many people that are with him with overflowing rain and with great hailstones, fire and brimstone. This could be the Battle of Armageddon. It's going to be a battle for sure. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Like I say, presently we see these things coming. We need to ask ourselves, do we value our freedom? There's one way to keep them. Preach the gospel. What's that going to do? Well, that might 
the Lord might quicken the enemy, like it was said in the Korean conflict. MacArthur said, "Send a thousand churches send a missionary, there will be no troops. We didn't send the missionaries, we sent the troops. Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. Matthew 9, 12 and 13. But when Jesus, well, speaking to the Pharisees that criticized him for eating with publicans and sinners, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Chapter 10, verse 11. And twelve. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. Come to save sinners. The offering is to sinners. And when you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace be upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return unto you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words... When you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. There's an urgency here in this. It's not going to last forever. It's the reign of grace. It's, it's coming to an end. Opportunity does not knock always. We like the freedom that we've had in this country, but it's also coming to an end. We allow the wicked to get gain the upper hand. In the book of Revelation, we read about the church at Philadelphia. It was the one that's now basically gone. We're in the Laodicean era presently. But the Philadelphia came right before it. It was those great preachers of yesterday. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Yeah, verse 7. And to the angel of the church at Philadelphia, in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, that hath the key of David, he that openeth that no man shutteth, and shutteth that no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say that they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptations which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. All these are pointing to the same thing. To avoid it, do not, don't, do not deny the Almighty's name. Do not deny the Lord Jesus Christ's name. The only Redeemer, the only Savior of sinners.
great promise. Consider all the trouble that's come upon man due to disobedience to God's promises. Look at the Jews, the Laodicean church, disobedient. In chapter 2 of the book of Revelation, city of Thyatira, church at Thyatira, Verse 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which is called herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to make fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her a space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. To miss that coming smoke and fire it's going to require repentance reason to repent that's what we're teaching in all these studies of the end times repent do not be a part of what's coming upon the earth now, there are those that say that God doesn't interfere. I mentioned this before. There's a, the idea of fatalism that God's predetermined every event. God's counsel will stand, and what he has proclaimed will come to pass. Saul of Tarsus, Lydia, who's Lord, the Lord opened her heart, Zacchaeus, the Ethiopian eunuch, God interfered in all those cases. Yes, God interferes because he don't we're dead in trespasses and sin and we'll do nothing. The command is, bon is, is to all. It, the offer is bonafide. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us we're dead in trespasses and sin. In the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, the chapter that's dearest to me, God, as the saying goes, works both ends of the spectrum. In the verse 39, and this is the Father's will which he has sent me. And we know from Acts 17, God hath commanded all men everywhere to repent. This is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. He's not going to lose any. And this is the will of him that sent me, that every one which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. He's not going to lose man, any of his sheep. In the same chapter, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my Father. 
Verse 44 says the same thing. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at that last day. And of all those that were there, verse 66, and from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. They had seen the miracles. Why could they not believe? Only God can quicken the sinner. It's the spirit that quickeneth. Quicken makes alive. Only God can impart eternal life to one. Faith to believe. Man cannot make a good decision in himself. Jeremiah 10 and 32 tells us it's not in man. He doesn't have the ability. This is what one sin has really brought about. Man died spiritually when he fell. And we've read there in Revelation chapter 20, after thousands of years, the effects of one sin has not been wiped out. Well, anyway... There's a conclusion to the whole matter. I guess, I guess that's one way you could look at it. Solomon wrote there in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's still the same. God's word is not divided. The very last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes Verse 13 of chapter 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The marginal note, the end of the matter, even all that hath been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Fear God and Keep his commandments. His commandments is commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Simple as that. Obey. To obey is better than to sacrifice. It's back in the book of First Samuel. First Samuel chapter fifteen. <clears throat> This is when the Israel's first king disobeyed. Didn't wipe out the enemy. Didn't wipe out all the animals. Verse 22, 1 Samuel chapter 15. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion, which is what it is, is as the sin of witchcraft. People would disagree with that, but God's word says it so. And stubbornness is as inequity and idolatry, because he, thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath rejected thee from being king. That was pretty serious business right there. Sometime back, I 
made mention of how books begin and how they end. In the beginning, God in Genesis. It ends with a coffin in Egypt. The end of the Old Testament is with a curse. And that's the way the book of Malachi ends. Smite the earth with a curse. You're looking to keeping the law, which man couldn't keep. About the law, keeping the law, be no flesh justified. We know the book of Galatians for one. <clears throat> In the New Testament, the book endings are much better. They all teach of something positive. <clears throat> the Gospel of Matthew, the church being organized and empowered. And the best one, of course, is the very last of the Scripture, the last book of Revelation, 22nd chapter, 21st verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That's a great ending. The book of Psalms has a great ending. The Psalms basically let all let everything praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It says over and over again the very last few chapters begin with praise the Lord. And the very last verse of the Psalms, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Obey the Lord, praise the Lord. That's what we're commanded to do. What we're seeing out there in the horizon is the smoke and the fire. Everybody always asks, what is there left that must come before the end comes? Well, that's what comes with the end. And... Uh, Lost my place. Back to Ecclesiastes. There's, I guess, two ways to look at it. The obedient way and the disobedient way. Some are going to obey and some are going to disobey. The beginning of the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes, Remember now thy Creator, verse 1, in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not. When man is young, women are saying, feel invincible. But when the old age comes around, we have no pleasure. We don't feel quite so invincible. While the sun, the light, the moon, the stars be not dark nor the clouds return after rain. In the 11th chapter, the ninth verse, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thy heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. It's a pretty simple Fix, I guess you might say. 
repent and believe or disobey and spend eternity in torment. Anyway, that's all of our lesson today.